appreciate the opportunity to share. And uh, I received a text a few minutes ago from Blenda Stevenson, Tozan, Blenda Tozan. Her daddy had a stroke this week, and he lost uh, total vision in one eye. And she said that he also had a, a second stroke that affected his heart. And uh, Mr. Bob's kind of like me, he's a little bit stubborn. And he don't want to uh, go see the doctors that he needs to see. So I'd like to ask you to join hands with the person next to you right now. And let's ask God to touch Mr. Bob. Father, we lift up Mr. Bob Stevenson to you right now. We know that you're the healer. God, you make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, we know that if we ask in faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, that our prayers would be answered. So we ask you now to touch the entire family, Glenda, Barbara, Teresa. Lord, that you would minister to them and give them wisdom to speak to their dad. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. I uh, Did everybody get one of these pieces of paper? All right, if you did not get one, if you'll raise your hand, I'll get them to bring you one. All right, want to get that out? It says uh, absolutely nothing. So you'll have to be the one to put the words on it. I was listening to Pastor Scott speak a few Sundays ago, and uh, I just had this thought. Can I get you to do something for me? Can you hold up one finger? One finger. All right. Now, one is not a whole lot. If I was asking you to, hey, let's go and come up with 20 reasons, uh, that may be a hard thing to do. But you can take your finger back. <laughs> but if I say, let's think about one thing, that'd be pretty easy. It seems pretty easy. I read a text from a friend of mine this morning who's a pastor in Alabama and he said, 51 years ago this week, a pastor challenged him to serve the Lord. And he was kind of a rowdy fellow. And he said, man, I don't believe I could serve the Lord. I, I just, you know, I, I'm just, that's not in me. So the pastor challenged him. He said, I'll tell you what. How about if you would make a commitment to give God 100% of your life for six months. And he said, well, I'll try that. I'll try that. That was 51 years ago. He's still saved, still serving God, pastoring a church, has pastored a church for many, many years because he made a commitment to do one thing. 
There's a great man in our history, and actually the history of Great Britain, who made a statement some years ago during the time of the Second World War, and his name was Winston Churchill. He was the great British statesman of the uh, 1930s and 40s. Uh, and he said, give me a man who says this one thing I do, not a man who says these many things I dabble in. You know, we're all good at more than one thing, but most of us are really good at one thing, and that's what defines us. You know, you may be a carpenter, a welder, a doctor, a nurse. You may be an attorney. I don't know what your strength may be, but whatever that strength is, it identifies you. And because of that identifying trait, you're known for one thing. So when we think about what the Bible says, and we think about our life, I want us to concentrate on five different facets of our lives this morning and what we can do to make them better. I had two thoughts when Pastor Scott asked me what was my theme, and I said, well, I'm kind of tossed between two. I want to I talk about climbing higher, so that's one, one theme. But I want to concentrate on this one thing I do, and so that's theme number two. Uh, so in an effort to climb higher in our relationships, and we have a, a multiplicity of relationships. We have relationships with our family, with our children, with God, with our neighbors. In all these different relationships, we can climb higher in some way to make those relationships a little better. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So when we think about it, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read a few verses of Scripture and then we'll come about, uh, we'll come back and talk uh, about climbing higher. In beginning in verse 12, and uh, did you put it up? Uh, I'm going to read from the New King James. I'm sorry I didn't put that on my notes. Uh, so if you can get it from the New King James, that's good. If not, uh, whatever you've put up there. Paul is speaking here. He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. How many of you know that God has a purpose for each of our lives? Amen. God's got a job for us to do. And your job may not be to be Billy Graham. I don't think it is. Or uh, what's the guy combs his hair for funny? He's not popular as he used to be. Benny Hint. <laughs> or Oral Roberts. But God's got a job for us. And our job may simply involve our family. It may involve just a small circle of people, but God's got a 
a job for us. God's got a purpose for our life. Verse 13. He said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That means to lay hold of, to arrest. I do not uh, count myself to have apprehended. But everybody say this. One thing I do. Can you say that with me? One thing I do. Say it one more time. One thing I do. I don't know about you, but I got cold chill bumps all over me right now. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And you know that's one of the most difficult things for us to do. We can forgive almost anybody who has offended us, but our hardest job is to forgive ourselves. Amen? How many of you have trouble forgiving yourself? Can I see your hand? Like Brother Scott, if I could levitate, I'd raise both feet too. I've made some big boo-boos in my life, some real blunders. I've offended people. I've made mistakes. I've made wrong choices. And most of you have too. (laughs) Have you seen that commercial where the guy's Talking about he paid too much for a used car and he's got a sack over his head. I've been there. And so sometimes we make wrong choices and we wish we had not. I did a study one time in the Bible of how many Bible characters that if you could hear them say it, you would hear them say, I wish I had not. Right? How about Moses? When God told him to speak to the rock, and he was aggravated with the people, and instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it with his staff. Well, God had told him to strike it with his staff before, but this time he said, speak to it. But he was angry. He was upset with the people. And so he struck the rock, and it kept him from being able to go into the promised land Don't you imagine if you could hear Moses, he would say, I wish I had not struck that rock. Amen. How about David when he looked off of the balcony and saw Bathsheba taking a bath? We all know that story. He wound up committing adultery, having her husband murdered. Don't you imagine that if you could hear David say it, he would say, I wish I had not. Amen. How about about, uh, Samson? Laid his head in Delilah's lap and told her what the secret to his strength was. And she called in the Philistines and they cut off his hair and poked out his eyes. Could you imagine that Samson would have said, man, That's one nap I wish I had not taken. Amen. So you do the study throughout the Bible, and there are many, many Bible characters that made mistakes. They did wrong. They made wrong choices. And I know that every one of us in this building have done the wrong thing sometime. We've made mistakes sometime. And you know what is our greatest offense? 
Can I tell you? That's the tongue. The Bible said the tongue is the most unruly member of our body. The Bible said that the world is set on fire by the tongue. Have you ever stopped to think that the tongue is what created the world in the first place? Not my tongue, but God's. God said, let there be, and he created everything that is. I used to wonder how people can fall in love over the internet. I thought that was the stupidest thing in the world, that people could hook up on the internet. Until one day I realized why that may be the best way. Because on the internet, you don't see warts and bumps and crooks and twists and blubber and all these things. You just see the words. And words create, right? And words change atmospheres. Words are extremely, extremely powerful. And so they're typing on there, and you're not seeing that one eyebrow goes up and the other eyebrow goes down. You're not seeing all their defects and all the problems that you have. You're just seeing these beautiful words. And you fall in love with this person because of their words. Now, hopefully, when you see them face to face, sometimes it works. Our granddaughter Jenny and Dave, very happily married, and uh, got a beautiful little baby girl that, that holds my heart. But you know what? They met each other over the line, on the line. <laughs> I better shut up before I get in a lot of trouble. But words are very powerful. Words can offend. Sometimes we say words that we don't realize how those words are going to be taken, and we say the wrong thing. We didn't mean it wrong. But the person who heard it, it came through their grid different from the way you intended it. And that happens to me from time to time because I'm old. That's why somebody asked me, why did I wear a suit today? I said, I'm being old timey. Preacher, <laughs> Preacher used to always wear a suit. I mean, you wouldn't think about going in the pulpit looking like that. <laughs> I wouldn't even go to church looking like that. But times have changed, right? I mean, years ago when I used to fly a lot, I, you never saw somebody in the airport that didn't have on a suit or a nice dress. Now if you see somebody in the airport with a suit on, you know he's a businessman commuting back and forth to work or something. It, it's not the normal person. I mean, flip-flops, short pants, these tank top shirts, you know. I don't have any muscles, so I can't wear muscle shirts. <laughs> but uh, times have changed. And Pastor Scott, I'm not, I'm, 
I'm criticizing you, but not condemning you. <laughs> Does that make sense? I'm bless you bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, that's true in the South. You know, you say anything about people you want to say, long as you say bless his heart. <laughs> At the end. So I love you, Pastor. <laughs> I've even started wearing cowboy boots and blue jeans to church myself. If you notice that. I got some new boots too. All right, let's shut up. Really, let's erase that, and uh, then we're going to get back on track. But words are extremely important. You may not speak eloquent English. That's fine. You may speak eloquent English, and that's fine. But the fact is, whatever you say is going to impact the lives of other people. And sometimes, sad to say, we say the wrong things. But sometimes, glad to say, we say the right things. And so hopefully, God will help us to use our words to make our lives and the lives of the people around us better. I'm going to have to go ahead because I don't want to get bogged down here. Uh, he, uh, Paul said, I press on... This is the climbing higher part, verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we realize then that God is directing our lives, but we have a part in it. Paul said, I like what the Amplified Version said, my determined purpose is. <laughs> you know, it makes a lot of difference if you make up your mind. We all have trouble with gaining weight. Yeah. You know, I lost all the way down to 150 pounds. But when I stepped on the scale this morning, I weighed 180. I didn't want to get that heavy again in my life. So what does that mean? Still involves the tongue, but instead of talking, it's tasting, right? And so let's think about some things that are involving our life and ask ourselves, what one thing can I do that would improve my life, that would give me a better life, that would give me a better relationship, that would give me a better understanding, that would give me a better opinion of myself and of the people around me. Now, you notice that the verse of Scripture on the page says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do it. But the question is, do I want to do it? Now, I'm going to give you some seed thoughts, and you can write them down or not. I've said this a uh, hundred times through the years, and most of you have heard me say it before. There are three questions that determine everyone's life. What do I want? How much does it cost? Am I willing to pay the price? You see, you've got to make up your mind that I'm going to do this. If you have a habit that you want to break, you'll break that habit when you make up your mind to break it. 
right? If you have problems with whatever, you've got to decide, I'm going to change this one thing. Now, let me give you these five topics. You've all got them on right, right here on your paper. And uh, I want you to write down, you may write more than one thing, but I want you to write down one thing that you can change to make things better in your life than they are right now in these five categories. The first category is family. The second category is finances. The third category is health. The uh, uh, one, two, three. Fourth category is marriage. That's a big one. I have a five-hour teaching on this one area alone. And the fifth category is friends. What can I do to make things better in these five areas of my life? And let's start out, let's say, with family. What one thing can I do to make my relationship with my family better? Well, i tell you what I did one time. I, I have a lot of nephews, and all my nephews, when they were little boys growing up, Uncle Harold was their main man. I taught them to drive, I taught them how to fish, I taught them how to hunt. I taught them all the things that little boys learn growing up. Well, some of the boys really appreciated it, others not so much. But, uh, you know, that, that was my role in their life. And so I had kind of drifted away from some of my nephews. And one day I, I, I decided I, I want one particular nephew... I decided, well, I want to rebuild my relationship with him, so I started calling him on the phone once a week. He never called me back. I called him once a week for a year. And finally, he started calling me back. Now he calls me where I call him or not. So the answer is, the one thing that I could do to build a relationship with my family is that I started communicating with them and touching base with them. How many of you know that touch is very important? Sometimes Jeanette and I'll be sitting around and she'll reach over and touch me. You know why? You didn't read the book, Languages of Love. You need seven meaningful touches a day. So she would say, one, two, three, four. <laughs> oh, it sounds kind of silly, but how many of you know it means something? I know she thought about it. She did that the other day. We were riding in the car, and she reached over. And, and I, at first I said, what's she doing? I thought she wanted something. And then I realized she was giving me seven meaningful touches. <laughs> Touch is very important. How we touch, when we touch, where we touch. You know, so much of the time, if we would just take time to touch our family, either with our words, with our heart, with our mouth, these things are very important. That's one thing that we can do, is that we can, uh, let's just say we lump it all into one uh, topic and say communicate. We could communicate. 
Somebody else help me out right here with family. Give me an idea of what we could do uh, to improve our relationship with our family. Somebody give me a, give me a thought. What? Ask how their day went. That, that's excellent. And, and uh, all right, what'd you say, Sister Sue? Bring, <laughs> boy, bring them some fish. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, you know, my job is catching the fish and cleaning the fish. Her job's giving them to somebody. <laughs> but, you know, do something special. It could be fish, and there's nothing wrong with fish, because I love fishing, I love to eat fish. And I love to share fish. So what somebody else, give me one more idea right quick. What? Pray for them and let them know that you're praying for them. That's a big deal. Now, in the interest of time, let's move on to the next one. I hope you're writing these down in the blanks, okay? All right, so the next one is finances. Let me tell you, number one, to improve your financial standing, tithe. Tithe. The Bible said if you don't tithe, you're stealing from God. And if you steal from God, you'll come under a curse. And somebody says, oh, I can't afford that, Brother Allen. I can't afford 10% of my income to give that to the preacher. You're not giving it to the preacher. In fact, you're not giving it at all. You know what the Bible says? Bring all the tithe. So if God gives you 100% and he says, bring 10% of that to my house, you're not giving it, you're bringing it, right? If it's his in the first place, let's say Pastor Scott, my friend, gives me $100. And he says, now, Brother Allen, I want you to bring $10 of this to Larry. And so... He gave me a hundred dollars, a hundred bucks. Buy a lot of fish bait with a hundred bucks. And uh, but he said, "Now wait a minute. Now ten dollars of this is to go to Larry, but on the way, I stopped by Bass Pro. <laughs> and in Bass Pro, they have some baits. Yeah, yeah." And the baits I choose are $98.95. Oh. I got $100, but $10 of it is for Larry. So if I spend Larry's money, what have I done? Eh? Okay, I've stolen, right? And so the truth is, if you want to improve your finance, get in order with the Word of God first, right? Okay, second thing about finance, don't spend more than you make. Amen? Only in America do people spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people who don't care. Right? Amen. Here's a seed thought. 
if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. I need to say that again? Okay. If your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. How many of you know what bankruptcy is? That's when you spend more money than you make and you can't pay your bills and you charge it on one credit card. <laughs> you take money from one credit card to pay the other credit card. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not funny. So here's another thought. You don't rob God, number one. Number two, you don't spend more money than you make. And number three, whatever you get, once you give God his portion, save part of it. If you give God 10% and you save 10%, you got money to buy a washing machine, refrigerator, whatever breaks down. It's just simple mathematics. When you do that, God showed me one day, I'd gone to a pastor's school, and I was on my way home, and I was just praying. And I was saying, God, please make me a better man. Show me how to be a better man. Show me how to be a better pastor. And all of a sudden, God showed me a grid. If you take this paper, and it's got lines going this way, and you put lines going this way, and I saw that paper, I saw a grid. And in my mind, I saw that if I wanted to get out of debt, whatever my house payment was, this was specific for me, whatever my house payment was, if I would find out how much of that goes to principal and how much of that goes to interest and pay just the principal, more than the basic principal every month, at the end, I could scratch off a whole payment by paying the principal up here. Well, when I found out, I was paying my house note, and at that time, only $28 a month was going to the principal. The rest was all interest. And so I said, well, if I'll pay an extra $28 up here, I can scratch off $278 down here. Now, this is a long time ago. <laughs> you can tell by those amounts. You don't do that uh, with those figures nowadays. And so I started adding $28 a month to my payment, understanding with the bank that that extra was to go toward the principal, and I could scratch off $278 at the bottom. Make a long story short, I paid off a 20-year loan in nine years. I can't stay stuck right here because I only got two minutes left. But that's just the beginning of that training. Okay, and the next one is health. What can I do different? Now, my wife is a wonderful person for health. She has all that she comes give me pills for every stuff. If I want to be healthy, what's the first thing? Eat right. 
eat right, sleep right, exercise. I do a lot of forklifts every day. Eat right, sleep right, exercise. I have diabetes, and I talked to the diabetes clinic director from Mobile, Alabama, and she said, I'll give you one thing that you can hold on to. And I said, what is that? She said, watch what you eat and move your feet. <laughs> one thing, this one thing. Okay, the next one is marriage. Let's skip that one. What one thing can I do to improve my marriage? It goes to right here. I can say I love you. I can say positive things. I can say encouraging things. My old lady. That's not good. Life is built up as a bank account on deposits and withdrawals. When I say my old lady, I just made a big withdrawal, right? And when I say, well, that dress makes you look fat. <laughs> if she comes to me and says, does this dress make me look fat? If I answer anything, I made a big withdrawal. <laughs> Learning to say the right thing at the right time in the right way improves your marriage. It improves your relationship. Nobody wants to be put down. Nobody wants to be criticized. Nobody wants to be talked down to, right? And so the question is, what one thing can I change about the way I speak to my spouse that would make my life better? How about compliments? And I'm not talking about lying. You know, if you, if you say, oh, you know, I have to be very careful here. You say, oh, you're so pretty. She's got mirrors in the house. Right? My wife would say to me, oh, I love your muscles. That ain't true. I got no muscles. So the fact is that if I will determine what builds my spouse, what makes them feel better about themselves, then in turn they'll feel better about me. I believe that. Have to hurry. The last one is friends. I'm two minutes overdue right now. The last one is friends. You know, to have friends, we need to be a good friend. That simply means touching base. Like somebody said a while ago, Marsha, I believe, call them up. How you doing? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Years ago, Harris Roos used to call me 
uh, once a week from all over. Now, I didn't know he had one of those watch lines at that time. didn't cost him anything, but it cost him time and effort, right? And he would call me from all over. That's when he worked for Slum Jay. And he would call me from all over. And I said, man, how does this guy afford all this? But it meant so much that he thought about calling me and say, hey, Pastor, I'm thinking about you. You know, it never hurts to call your friend and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, how about, how about we get together and have a cup of coffee? Right? How about we, how about we spend a little time together? How about we, we just go somewhere, do something? Or just, hey, how you doing? Thinking about you. God bless you. Have a good day. Not a lot of effort. But how many of you know it means a lot when somebody says, I love you? One last thought on this is that don't die or don't let your friends die with things left unsaid. Eh? Well, my French is good. Eh? That means what'd you say? Would you say that again, please? Don't die or don't let your friends die with things left unsaid. How many times have you heard people say, oh, I wish I'd have told him how much he means to me. I wish I'd have told her I loved her. Don't let that happen to you. Now, I could talk for five hours at least on these five. Now I'm in a bind. I could talk for five hours. <laughs> You're praying for me, brother. I was invited to preach a few months back at a church. <laughs> and they had no rails, none, not even on the side. And, of course, I can't stay behind the pulpit. And so the only way I could get off the platform, I would do this. I don't know why, but they never invited me back. <laughs> One last verse of Scripture. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing 